U.S. President Joe Biden will be heading to Canada in March for a state visit. The trip was announced during a meeting at the North American Leaders Summit in Mexico City, in which the two leaders discuss climate change, Ukraine, and other issues. Following media reports of an exponential increase in contracts to the controversial management consulting firm McKinsey & Company under the Trudeau government, the Conservatives will ask a parliamentary committee to study the contracts. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is seeking to appeal to an extreme base through the federal government's so-called Just Transition proposal. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, January 11th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Andrew Lawton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. On Tuesday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and U.S. President Joe Biden confirmed that the American president would be coming to Canada for a state visit this March. The trip was announced during a meeting at the Three Amigos Summit in Mexico City after Canada revealed it would be buying a U.S. missile defense system for Ukraine. Now, this trip would be the first of its kind since Biden was elected in 2020. During their meeting, the two leaders touched on a wide variety of issues, including Canada's recently announced bid to buy F-35 fighter jets to replace aging equipment at the Royal Canadian Air Force. A readout from the PMO highlighted discussion on trade, including critical minerals for the development of electric vehicles. Similarly, a statement from the White House further elaborated on how to turn North America into a, quote, clean energy powerhouse. Other issues raised by Trudeau included discussion around the Nexus backlog, as well as justice for the victims of flight PS752, which was shot down by Iran in 2020. Andrew, what does it mean that Joe Biden's going to be coming to Canada at this time? It certainly wasn't a, an early priority for him. At the same time, there have been COVID border rules that have been persisting for a while. So this is arguably an early opportunity for Biden, or is this a little late and showing disregard for Canada? Well, historically, there was a convention that a trip to Canada was usually the first state visit or the first foreign visit that a U.S. president would take. So I think it is telling that in the last couple of years, it hasn't been a priority, even when the border has been open now for the better part of that. But you know what? Whatever you think of Joe Biden, he is not going to be getting the same reception that Barack Obama did. You walk around downtown Ottawa and they still have all those pictures up from when Obama was there in 2009 and got the cookie in the byword market. And let's face it, Joe Biden is not going to have that same energy or electricity when he goes there. Yeah, Canadian lawmakers actually chanted four more years when Barack Obama was in the House of Commons. That was quite something. But also Obama spoke very gushingly about Justin Trudeau. This was back in 2016. I feel like now things are a little different. I mean, we have the U.S., seemingly reading the riot act to Canada behind the scenes about, hey, don't get Huawei into your 5G grid. We eventually complied. Hey, you've got a ghost away from China on trade. And we have now done that. And Christy Freeland has made speeches on that matter to U.S. audiences, almost indicating to the White House, oh, yeah, we're doing what we tell you. I mean, it looks like the U.S. actually has a bit of an ask for Canada right now on a number of fronts. 
Yeah, and I think one thing that I would note is that when Barack Obama came to Canada and Stephen Harper was in power, there was a, a bit of tension there in a good way, in the sense that you had someone who was advocating for Canada's interest, you had someone that was advocating ostensibly for America's interest. Right now, I think a lot of Canadians are wondering if Justin Trudeau is really advocating for the things that matter to Canada, and specifically when you go back to that readout you shared, energy. Where was the advocacy for Canadian oil in this uh, TED? a tat between these two leaders. Now, and it's interesting because Joe Biden and Barack Obama before him have done a better job, as some would say, about arguing for their own domestic energy than we have done arguing for our domestic energy. Following the shocking news that the controversial management consulting firm McKinsey & Company saw a 30-fold increase in funding from the Trudeau government when compared to the previous Harper government, Pierre Polyev says his party will seek a committee probe into these contracts. Speaking at a press conference Tuesday, the Conservative leader said the House of Commons Government Operations and Estimates Committee should launch a study into the millions of dollars reportedly awarded awarded to McKinsey. Here's what that sounded like. We learned that the Liberal government has given 30 times more money in contracts to the Liberal-linked firm McKinsey than did the, pre the prior Conservative government. Recent reporting has shown the company, neither the company nor the government is willing to explain what the money was for. $66 million in core government contracts and tens of millions of dollars of other contracts from Crown corporations. One unnamed immigration public servant said that he or she did not even know what they got for the money. $25 million went to that department. And what did we get as Canadians? What are the results of this management company's ingenious work? Well, 2.1 million immigrants wait in the queue. Over a million are waiting beyond the acceptable uh, legal timeframes. So we want to know what all this money was for. These contracts to McKinsey have grown steadily over the last few years without a sign of slowing down. Uh, just to put it in context here, in 2016, they got $1.7 million worth of contracts from the government. By 2022, that had grown to $32.5 million. And according to Radio Canada, the company has refused to answer questions about the kind of work it's conducted for the Canadian government, although contract titles include uh, work projects like, quote, develop and implement transformation strategies, unquote, which I think raises far more questions than answers. Uh, let me ask you, though, Anthony, do you think Canadians are at all concerned about this? Because Canadians re-elected Justin Trudeau after the SNC-Lavalin scandal. I think they are and they aren't. I think Canadians who know about this and are following it do. It probably reads like a bit of an inside-the-bubble story initially when you just hear about management consultancy contracts, federal government, random departments. Your eyes kind of glaze over. You say, let's skip that one. But then when you really start to think about the implications, that's when you care. One Quebec politician likened McKinsey to basically running a shadow government within Canada due to the far reach they have and the number of different departments they have contracts with. That's quite something when you think about the implications of that phrase. Likewise, McKinsey first introduced 
the federal government, the PMO, and the Privy Council Office to this idea of deliverology, which you can kind of uh, chuckle at this buzzword, but it does seem to be an underpinning philosophy to guide how they implement policy. And it's interesting to see an outside consultancy creates your entire philosophy of governance. Yeah, and I mean, the big question that I would raise is how much of this is coming because of the liberals versus how much of this is just ingrained in the operations of Canada's bureaucracy right now and, and just this company that has managed to just secure a foothold in not just the Canadian government, but probably governments around the world. No, it's a really interesting question because, of course, McKinsey has grown with a number of countries and, of course, with a number of major companies. Another concern is that Dominic Barton, who is the former managing director of McKinsey, is now our ambassador to China. And one says, what does that mean? Does that mean that the liberal government is just so involved and integrated with McKinsey that they've uh, given this post to Barton? Or is it that McKinsey has managed to get so ingrained in Canada that they're managing to get their senior employees these appointments? I mean, who's really driving this? Is it the liberals or is it McKinsey? In a wide-ranging press conference on Tuesday afternoon, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith addressed Ottawa's pledge to prioritize just transition legislation this spring. And she made it clear that Alberta will not be supporting the government's attempt to transition oil and gas workers to greener jobs. Smith said Trudeau is seeking to appeal to a, quote, extreme base through the just transition proposal. Here's what that sounded like. I think it's a big threat. And, and the reason for that is the language that they're using. Just transition is the language that they used when they phased out the coal industry. It is a social justice term. If they wanted to talk about sustainable jobs, that's uh, completely different. And we'd be quite happy to talk to them about sustainable jobs in carbon tech, sustainable jobs in hydrogen, sustainable jobs in this new economy that we're developing around small modular nuclear and, and other types of projects. I think we're, we're all on board with that. But to use that terminology, they're virtue signaling to an extreme base that is openly advocating to shut down oil and natural gas. Because look at what hap happened at a COP27. The final communique talked about ultimately shutting down the oil and natural gas industry in the same way that coal had been phased out. We have a prime minister who, when he ran in the last election, talked about that uh, the need to phase out oil sands eventually. He looked at it as inevitability. We, we don't look at it that way at all. We think that the world is going to need more natural gas. Last week, Federal Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson said Ottawa would move ahead this spring with legislation to provide a framework for the transition plan. He said it would provide incentive for workers to make a seamless transition to a less carbon-intensive economy. Wilkinson said the concern won't be a lack of jobs, but finding workers to fill the long-term needs in the changing energy landscape. Now, Andrew, True North has previously reported that Danielle Smith has been considering using the Sovereignty Act to deal with the electric vehicle mandate. Is this a situation where the Sovereignty Act may also come into application? I think it certainly would. And if you look at what the government is trying to do with just transition, it extends far beyond its constitutional mandate on resources into this re-envisioning, re really, of how the economy is supposed to operate. And, and just that word transition is a transition away from oil and gas. And I don't know how the federal government can basically write off the province's greatest economic benefit. Asset. Right. And to your point about how this is not how the economy typically works, we see transitions all the time in a variety of sectors that happen organically because those are the economic conditions. And there's clearly some sort of a, a transition going on in terms of green jobs are increasing naturally. 
but the government thinks they can force it. Justin Trudeau basically thinks by fiat, by bullying, he can bring about an entire new sector uh, to the specific levels that he wants it to. I mean, that's just kind of Soviet central planning. Life doesn't work that way. And I think Daniel Smith kind of turning the pages on him rhetorically and pointing out you're playing to an extreme base is a very good point. I think most people are fine with the idea of, oh, there's more green jobs being created. Okay, cool, whatever. But the idea that you can somehow force it into being, I mean, that's the extreme part here. Yes, and the whole point of it, and this term just transition comes back to the Paris Climate Agreement in 2015, the whole point of it presupposes that oil and gas is old news, green energy is the new favorite, and we have to make sure that we mitigate the damages to the workers who are in that sector. So the premise there is that oil and gas is on the way out, and that's a a premise that is pretty much the death knell for the Alberta economy. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.